This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. The World Series is over. The offseason has begun. There is nothing but rumors to talk about. So we will talk about those rumors. I am Brian Joyner and I'm here, as always, with Dan Secatore. Dan, how are you doing? Brian, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I'm happy that we are back to a time where the Red Sox are technically in it. Technically in it. Yeah, this could be a real uh this could be a real throwback off season to like the late 90s early 2000s when when the Red Sox free agent news is actually really exciting. <laughs> or it couldn't be. We'll find out. But you know, you remember those those old like those late Duquette early Theo teams. Like, there were years where November was the most exciting month of the Red Sox calendar. Um, and it's been Jose a while. Offerman. Jose Offerman. Jose Offerman where replacing Movon's OBP. Yes. I um, was thinking more Pedro so, so and Manny Ramirez than Jose Offerman. But. Ah, I, my mind went to Jose yeah. Offerman. <clears throat> the news has started out slow on the actual signings front and transaction front. Easton McGee. Was traded to Seattle. Oh. Goodbye, Easton McGee, for Cash, who's a good friend of mine. Not as good of a friend as I would like. I would like to be better friends with Cash. But for the rest of the news, Dan, why don't you take us through what has happened in the last couple weeks? Um, are, are we doing that? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize we had planned to do that. What do you mean, what's happened in the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean specifically... With Xander. Okay, Bulldogs. you want to jump into Xander right now? So okay, you want Let's to, jump into okay, Xander. So we're not going to talk about the World Series? Even though we just discussed oh, doing the World yeah, Series first we five talk seconds about ago. The World Series. That's right. We just went over this. The World Series, uh, if it had to end the way it did, it ended with A, something you wanted, uh, Dusty Baker getting I'm a ring. I'm pretty sure you were on the Astros bandwagon by the end there. No, but it did end in a way that I said would make me happy which was Jordan Alvarez doing oh my god field of dream stuff and that's basically what yeah happened. that was quite quite a problem. um i i found myself definitely rooting for the phillies after all for sure uh in this series i mean like i said i was rooting for it to go 7 it's a shame it was such a the the first 5 games of this series were really adding up to like an absolute classic world series 
You had like game one, of course, going to extra innings, turning on an insane catch by Nick Castellanos, one of the one of the worst defensive outfielders in Major League Baseball. Um, game two was kind of blah, but it was just still a three-run game. Um, and then you had, and then games four and five, which weren't close, but were all they they both ended up as insane classic games in different ways, with the seven home runs by the Phillies in game three, and then the no hitter um, by Houston in game four. Game five was one of the best games we've seen in the World Series in recent years with Jazz McCormick's catch, um, and then game six. You know, the only the only downside about that Jordan home run is I wish it was in like the eighth inning instead of the sixth, which I think it was the sixth, right? Um, <clears throat> I actually didn't even see it. I wasn't even home yet, so I actually didn't even see Jordan's home run. But that was, I mean, yeah, you called it. That was some field of dream shit. Yeah, it. I'm not gonna be beggars can't be choosers here. I think that as I watched the series, especially after Game Three. The sense of long-term positive regression coming for the Astros seemed likely, uh, especially after they pitched a no-hitter. And with Jordan in particular, too, like you could see him starting to square up the ball, like with each game, you like you just you knew it was coming. Yep. So it makes sense. It feels right that the Astros have now won two World Series under this regime um it's been made clear by several people that it's largely not the same team as it was before but they have the same two of the same cornerstone players in the infield and i think and as long as altuve is on the team he's the embodiment of all of this and and i gotta say too like as somebody who did make that very point on this podcast um you know, I went into it with that attitude, like, um, you know, let's give these players a, a fresh chance. They are talented and entertaining on their own right, regardless of what happened in 2017. But then I saw Jim Crane. <laughs> and my God, like, I was like, oh, that's right. Fuck this guy. And so honestly, him being there. And again, as we talked in our pre-World Series podcast, one of the things I hate most about the World Series is the trophy being given to the goddamn owner after the last out in the ninth inning. Um, and so like, even so, so you had like doing that, showing, putting Jim Crane's face on my TV, you know, turned me into someone who was, who was astro sympathetic into just being like, Oh God, I hate this fucking guy. The gateway drug, the hateration, the owner handoff. Always is. All right. Let's talk about something happier. Not signing Xander Bogarts. <laughs> Xander Dan, Bogarts. Xander Bogarts, uh, Red Sox shortstop, team leader in WAR for the last two uh, two years, I believe, not three years. All right, so yeah, so we we got some updates here, Joiner. Um, we are recording this at twelve o'clock on Thursday. In five hours, he becomes a free agent. The latest contract predictions right now. So Fangraphs does does a really good. Um, free agent primer if you haven't seen it they go through they list the top 50 free agents and they give contract predictions for all 50 of them ben clemens who's their who's their contract guru gives a prediction then they do a crowdsource a median crowdsource an average crowdsource so the numbers coming up for xander right now ben clemens is predicting seven years 217 million the average crowdsource was six years 172 the median crowdsource was six 168 um Hyam Bloom is repeating over and over again to the press that Xander remains a priority. He said, quote, we want him back and we will stay engaged with him. He was our top priority and our immediate priority, and we acted that way. I don't like the past tense there, Joyner. I don't like the past tense there. Um, there was a report early in the week that the Sox have already started to look for second baseman. As a contingency, if, if they do not sign Xander, I guess the plan would be to move Story to short, despite the arm concerns, and sign a new second baseman. Um, but Bloom came out and said that those are overblown. They're just sort of doing their due diligence. Um, but regardless, here we are. Xander's going to be a free agent. Uh, he has not signed with the Red Sox. It doesn't look like a deal is imminent. Yes, I am increasingly believing that 
the second base hunt is not necessarily a contingency plan as much as it is the plan, as much as anything can be said to be a contingency plan. Saying we want Xander back is a nice thing to say. I would like lots of money to arrive in my mailbox someday. Am I working to really make that happen? Not really. What was that thing that Katie Holmes said in Batman? It's not it's not who it's not who you are inside that counts. It's what you do. Is that right? That sounds about right. That right. And she slaps she slaps the shit out of him. She in does. That, in that. Like this is I what's, like that. so uh, twice. Yeah. The second slap is so satisfying. It, it, like they keep telling us that this is their priority. But at the same time, like we know we know that back in spring training, they offered Xander Bogarts, who is already on a below-market contract because he took a hometown discount. Their only offer to him was just to add one year to his existing contract. Uh, so they just they took a below-market contract and they said, we'll make it below-market for another year for you. Like, I don't understand. And they know, like, we know this stuff. This stuff is, is being reported and they're not denying it. I think why, how are they going around at one time saying Xander is the priority while at the same time, like offering him a contract they know he's not going to accept? What the hell is going on here? I remember something very similar to this happening almost three years ago where they said they made competitive offers to Mookie Betts. They did not. So maybe the thought that people have had Maybe myself less to a degree than other people like, say, uh, Bill Simmons. And this is not slamming Bill Simmons, but he has said, you know, the Red Sox are afraid of their fans because of the Mookie trade. What if they haven't learned a single lesson and are just going to do the whole thing again? Because that is what it looks like right now. You know what, though? I actually I, I. I've been I've been disappointed in some of the fans so far, Joiner. Um, I actually I'm I'm gonna yell at some of the fans right now. Uh, you know who you are out there. I I've been. <clears throat> I don't think that you know. Look, that Red Sox fans are not a monolith. Everyone has different opinions. But I've been I've been seeing a lot of stuff online. I've been I've seeing a lot of reactions to both Xander and to like the James Paxton um, situation. Paxton just just picked up his $4 million option. So he will be, if he's healthy, he will be a Red Sox option next year. Um, And I've been seeing reactions on one hand to the Xander numbers. You know, someone will say like, yeah, 7-220. I love Xander, but not at that much. I'll pass. I'll pass for that. That's bad value. And then on the other hand, I've seen people say, you know, hey, Paxton for $4 million. That's, That's good value. You can go with that. So, you know, we have... Sale, Sale, Pavetta, Bayo, Whitlock, Paxton. And, you know, like both of these reactions are outgrowths of something that I've been complaining about for a long time and threatening to write a manifesto about for a long time. Um, and at this point, at this point, I don't know if there's more value to me in, in, in writing the manifesto or not writing about it. And then I can just keep joking about writing about it. Um, but either way, like, I feel like this, this, this post Moneyball generation of fans, the the generation that that grew up with Moneyball, that grew up playing fantasy sports, and that grew up with a media that's hyper focused on the GMs, on the Theo Epstein's and Billy Beans of the world. This generation of fans have trained themselves to only look at roster construction through one lens, and that's are we overpaying for this player or not. And that's all anyone cares about. And so they look at the Xander numbers and they say, nope, that's bad value. And they look at the Paxson numbers and say, yeah, that's good value. Well, look, if you think if you think that seven years and $220 million is too much to pay for Xander, maybe you're right. Who the hell is the shortstop on the team next year? That's still a position they need to fill. And Xander Bogarts was the best player on the Red Sox last year. And if you think Paxton at $4 million is good value, great. That's true, too. But you know what? The Red Sox had the, I want to say, the sixth worst ERA in baseball last year. And do you want to bring the starting staff back because 
James Paxson at four million is good value, and Rich Hill at four million is good value, and and the only plan to improving that that six worth staff in baseball is just saying like Brian Bayo and Garrett Whitlock will do it. You know, we we want to rely on on a rookie, and and I mean, look, I love Brian Bayo and Garrett Whitlock. I love those two guys. I am confident in them as starters going forward, but that can't be the plan. And this is just so like there's all these fans out there who are just looking at at all of these pieces through the lens of value. And you, like you don't you don't get a trophy for for spending the least amount of money per war. You don't get a trophy for that. And it's not a fun way to be a fan either because you're, ne- you're like if this is how we're just going to build the Red Sox for years to come. Nobody's ever like we're never going to have a, a great Red Sox player retire with the team again. It's never going to happen. We're always going to be unloading them before they get too old. We're always going to be saying goodbye to fan favorites. We're always going to be just just you know, like trying to tread water with high variance guys who sometimes will succeed and sometimes won't. And I'm just so, you know, when you talk about are the Red Sox afraid of the fans? Like, unfortunately, I think there are a lot of fans who are perfectly fine with going into the season, you know, with with a team that's not necessarily built to win the World Series as long as they're not overpaying anybody. It drives me nuts. Well, except for Chris Sale. Well, yes. I mean, he is he is a bad value. I can't deny that. But but I was fine with that trade. There are two tweets about what you were saying that are classics. One from Sam Miller. Love this trade for the Rays. Who'd they give up and who'd they get? <laughs> from 2014. And then my, my buddy Craig Goldstein. Billy Bean does 19 things to get his team slightly cheaper, but slightly worse. Yeah. Mm, yes, I see it. Yeah. Nat, Sh- Nat Sign Scherzer makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Now, sale is obviously the flip side of what happens when you sign a Scherzer type. But I agree with you and had a recent interaction with uh, one of our Red Sox community people who said he thought that Twitter overrepresented the number of people who thought getting rid of Mookie or letting him go, because it's sort of the same thing, Mm -hmm. was a bad idea. And I said, I think it was, I think it's a very commonplace idea. Oh, I think, I would say it's the complete opposite too. I I think if you're, if you just walk to Jersey Street on game day and ask 100 people that question, I, I think you will, 95 of them will say it was a bad idea. Whereas if you just pull 100 people on Red Sox Twitter, it'll, it'll be closer to 50-50, I think. It's, it's like the terminally online fans who are more likely, I think, to, you know, to be the ones looking at, at Mookie's aging curve and... and uh, you know, talking about bad contracts than, than just the average fan. I completely disagree with that. Who said that? Call them out. I don't remember. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw people under the bus if I don't want to. If I want to, I'll throw them under the bus. The point you make about if the Red Sox have a young superstar, he's just not going to retire with the team is really... A resonant one, uh, and I think that the Devers situation will go a long way toward testing that theory. You could see the same thing with the Yankees, unless you're Brett Gardner, where you're good enough to hold on to your place, but not so good to price yourself out. You're probably going to move on. If Aaron Judge does it, then it's just Red Sox and Yankees are in the same boat there. And it's disappointing. Yeah. And again, and you can say, you know, look, as I said, if, if, if Xander's not a good value for you, who the hell is going to be the shortstop, you know, next year? And, you know, you can talk about Turner and you can talk about Carlos Correa. Um, neither one of those guys is necessarily a clear-cut improvement, first of all. Like Trevor, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, and Xander Bogarts are all extremely close statistically and talent wise like you can really between those three guys you can kind of cherry pick whatever stat you want um you know you can say that uh you know trey turner i think once had like a a 160 ops plus and that's probably that was higher than 
either one of those two guys. Um, but, you know, Xander at the same time. Xander, I, I'm pretty sure, since 2016, has topped both of those guys in war. You can say that, you know, um, Trey Turner's speed is likely to make him more valuable next year at the bigger bases. That's probably true. But Xander is a way more patient hitter than Trey Turner. And so as they age, like that's a skill set that's more likely to age gracefully than Xander. Like we see all the time. We see all the time players whose OBP is inflated by batting average as Trey Turner's is. Like when their wrists slow down, their batting average drops, they can kind of crater kind of quickly offensively. Um, so like I just don't – like these three players are really, really close in talent. The only, I mean, Correa is two years younger than the other two. So, I, I mean, that's that's a meaningful difference. But other than that, like, we're going to not sign Xander and then replace him with Trey Turner, who will probably be slightly more expensive. And who knows how he's going to be a fit on this team. Are we going to replace him with Dansby Swanson, who's a clear step down from these three guys? Dansby Swanson has had two seasons in his career where he's been an above-average offensive player. You know, the Red Sox finished in last place last year, and you want to do you want to downgrade your shortstop position because Xander at seven two twenty is a bad value. Oh, I'm sorry. This I just uh, yeah, I'm, my day is ruined now, Joiner. I personally don't think that they would sign any of those guys necessarily if they weren't going to sign Xander. So I, I agree with you of your assessment, maybe to a lesser degree, Dansby, if they thought Dansby would be. Notably cheaper, obviously that's something that appeals to them. The most important thing about someone like Dansby Sponson or him specifically is he's basically the only player in the league that you can have a nickname for, Dans by Dans West. Um, Wait, is that his nickname or did you just make that up? No, that's just the only thing I ever think of him Okay. when I hear Dansby Thank Sponson. Thank you, Chris Berman, for stopping by the pod. That's... Hey, it's not my name, it's your name. All right, Dans by Dan's West. Is that a good nickname? I don't think it is. <laughs> so no, that's a bad I don't, I don't have good nicknames for things. I have bad nicknames. And I feel like if Dansby Swanson, I don't know, does he have a nickname? We should look this up. It, it, a Dansby Swanson nickname that doesn't make a reference to his beautiful head of hair is just a wasted opportunity. The Sheriff. That's his nickname? Is this yes. Sheriff? That's an awful nickname. The Sheriff. That's an awful. And he was thing. three point Swanson in high school. Three point Swanson. What does that because mean? Because he he played basketball. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, so those are two awful nicknames. Sheriff is really bad. Um, I hate how all all white American baseball players just love cosplaying as like rural rednecks. <laughs> like you're not you're not a sheriff. Get out of here. Well, I don't. They might be cosplaying as sheriffs. I don't think they're cosplaying as world rednecks. Uh, I don't know. I always thought, like, you remember John Lester, I feel like, who was from Oregon. By the end of his career, John Lester had, like, a legit southern accent. <laughs> That's what I mean. What about someone like Trot Nixon? Um, deepest North Carolina. Yeah. Just deepest North Carolina. That no, you're right. You're right. That's legit. That I'm, I'm not saying none of those players exist. Um, I feel like like it's the it, it's the it's the players who grew up in like affluent suburbs of Nashville and things like that, um, or not even Nashville because that's legit South. But yeah, I mean John Atlanta? Lester. Like again, like these people from affluent suburbs in more northern climates who nonetheless. Oh like get to the major leagues and then they just sort of take on this redneck persona. It's really, it really bothers me. It's called the uh, George Bush. Anyhow, let's find out why I had Trot Nixon top of mind. We got a draft to do, guys. We do have a draft. Is Trot Nixon going to come up in the draft? You will see. The concept for this draft is A, pretty clear, and B, Sort of a cop-out and see a brainstorming session all at once. It's a nice cop-out. I'm not complaining. Dan, what is the subject of this draft? All right. We are going to draft new segments for the show. Um, unclear as to whether we will actually use any of these segments or whether they will all just uh, be birthed and then die today. 
Um, but we're going to go for I actually, I, I think I have, I think one of mine has real promise to be a recurring segment. The others are all just complete jokes. So I was listening to a different podcast this week where they asked one question, but the two people had interpreted the question, the subject somewhat differently. And I think we're going to uh, run into that, but all my things could be one-time segments at least because they're all subjects for further drafts, but I can amend them into subject. You know what? Who cares? Dan texted me at two hours ago, basically saying, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to drink your milkshake. I texted you this last week when we came up with this concept. It wasn't just you two hours ago. You texted me again this morning. Okay. So I'm going to let him go first because as I said, he said going first in his advantage. I think of it more like a baseball game where I get the bottom of each inning to respond. That's true. So I'm going to make him go first. And I will. I think this is a, if I talk shit to you, you can make, you can choose whether I go first or second. Okay. Got it. Um, let's hear subject. Let's hear uh, segment number one. All right. Uh, so Brian, I had a meeting with Keaton DeRocher last week. Keaton DeRocher, uh, co-host of the Red Seat, host of our precap podcasts, uh, industrial engineer in in the real world. Um, I had a little meeting with him, and he he did not say this intentionally. But he let slip. He said something that indicated that he doesn't listen to our podcast, Brian. Are you? What do you think of that? I would expect nothing less from <laughs> Keaton Oaks DeRocher. Uh, I have to say, he is. He has complained about my ad placements in the podcast, which leads me to believe. Yeah, that's because that I've complained only... about your ad placements in the podcast to him. <laughs> To him, yes. okay. Well, I was thought it was even worse. I thought he was only listening to the ads. Oh. <laughs> really just rubbing it in our faces. It could be, yeah. Okay, so how is this a uh, segment? All right, so my first instinct uh, when he told me he doesn't listen to the podcast was to fire him on the spot, obviously. Uh, I think that goes without saying. Um, you know, I was going to I was, I I push the little button on my desk it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And and the uh, the office at OTM headquarters would be just like immediately surrounded by our security goons, um, all the Blackwater security goons we've hired. They would take his badge, take his microphone, and and kick him out of the building. That was my first instinct. Um, but then I realized something. You know, um, we could use this to our advantage. We're doing this podcast uh, for I don't know how many people, millions. Have you ever looked it up? How many people listen to this? I think it's millions. Well, I mean, I think more people listen to our the, podcast the, than watch the It's millions in the sense that if you're, if you're, there's a lot of hotels in Queens right across from Manhattan that say minutes to Manhattan, but mm. that, you know, that's, it's minutes to Manhattan from China as well. Just a lot of them. That's true. So the millions in this case are the minutes. There's a, there could be, you know, there's way more than millions, but that's just the base. Yeah. Well, either way, none of them are Keaton. And so what I realized is we can say whatever we want about him, and he will never find out. So new segment number one, crap on Keaton Corner. What do you think? 
this is bespoke to my interests, <laughs> which extend not far beyond crapping on Keaton. And so this is great because if he listens to this, he's going to get mad. Right. And if he doesn't listen to it, he'll find out and get mad. I, well, he won't. He'll never find out. I mean, maybe he will. It is the talk of America, our podcast, I guess. I think I think he'll find out. I think he'll find out. If only because I will tell him. Keaton, on the latest episode of the Over the Monster podcast, at the 25-minute mark or so, we start talking a lot of shit about you, and it's the best time I've ever had. What's going to happen is I'm, I'm going to accidentally tell him when I'm talking to him to complain about your ad breaks. I am going happen. to put the ad break in the middle of this segment. <laughs> so he's forced to listen to it? You can't make that man do something he doesn't want to do. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. All right. So okay, that's go. a good that's one. That's my first pick. That's a good one. I'm reworking my draft ideas into uh, segment ideas, and it's not that hard. So I think the first one... I will do is party time. We go through the Red Sox roster and we discuss what the best time we could have with any given player is. Oh, I like that. Are we going to the bar? Are we are we going are we are we lighting up a blunt? I want to do we this going right skydiving. Now. Are we going skydiving? Are we going hunting? Are we playing disc golf? Are we just naming, outside of hunting, are we just naming things that Brian does? Sure, but... <laughs> who, is the, maybe, who is the Frisbee golf player on the Red Sox? I think... I think it's a pitcher. Because they have the I most off time. I don't think it's a pitcher. Really? Actually, you're right with the off time. My instinct was Jaron Duran. He's the right age. Mm. He's uh I could see him having going out there and just destroying people, being good at something. Well, he makes him feel good. Here's the thing though. Um Jaron Duran has and and I don't mean to criticize for this. I didn't mean for this. I think, I think this is uh no, I don't. I don't at all. Uh, he was very open last year about his kind of about some mental struggles he had uh, as he was struggling on the field, and it was kind of really refreshing. And and he you know he 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 talked about his sort of his his head not being in a good place and how that was negatively affecting him. Um, my experience with frisbee <laughs> is that that's throwing a frisbee is an activity where your own head can get in the way. It really can. Oh, you least... haven't played disc golf. You've I'm... thrown a frisbee. Disc golf is the opposite. This is where he can clear his head. It's not hard. I no. See, but I disagree. Like when I, whenever I'm trying, He's strong. Whenever I'm trying to like hit a tree with the frisbee, I kind you know like I I think about it too much. Like I get check I get Chuck Knobloch disease. Like I think about it too much, and I throw it too soft, and then it misses the target. Like I I don't know. I think frisbee's a game where you can kind of get in your head too much, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's right for Duran right now. See, for me, I'm always in my head, and this is where I leave it because you're focused not on your phone, not on what the people say. You got the disc. There's a basket. Throw it in the basket. I've never. Asked it's like golf. It's the good parts of golf, and yeah. none of the bad ones. Anyhow, I think a party time. I don't think that that would be the Jaron Duran party time. No, I want to make that clear. It would probably involve a lot more Newsmax, but the uh, idea of best time with each Red Sox player. Let's cook it up. Uh, I really love that. I would gladly stop this draft right now and then just spend the next hour and a half going through the roster and doing that. Uh, but instead, I guess I'll, I'll march on. And I, I do have a, I have a similar segment. I have a segment that's kind of in the same spirit of, of that. Um, which is I'm gonna I'm gonna try and combine a couple of things. One thing I love and one thing I don't love, but that the people love. Um, so the latter is is real estate shows. 
people fucking love shows about houses, Brian. You got your property brothers. You got your uh, listed or leaviters. Do you watch any of this stuff? Nope. No, I don't either. But I get the appeal because seeing other people's houses is is cool as shit. So people love real estate stuff. I personally love whenever I find out where a player lives, um, which sounds creepy and stalkerish. I get it. But I just think it's it's more interesting in a city like Boston than it is in other cities. Like Boston, Boston is a dense residential area with lots of varying neighborhoods. Um, you know, like if you were to compare this, it, it, if you were to try and figure out where all of the Arizona Diamondbacks live, like that's an obvious one. They all live somewhere in a McMansion on a golf course that's a 20-minute trip down the highway to the ballpark, right? But that's not the case in Boston. And every now and again, you get, you know, reporters don't report, obviously, where players live. But every now and again, you'll see, you'll like, you'll get a little tidbit and you figure it out. Like, like for instance, for years, we would always see pictures of Jackie Bradley Jr. taking a scooter to Fenway. So, and I've always wondered, like, okay, does, does he live in, like, a little townhouse on the other side of the fence? Does he live in one of the new apartment buildings on Boylston? Like, where does Jackie Bradley Jr. live? He lives in the city. That's cool. Um, same thing I remember. Do you remember when Nomar saved somebody in the harbor? Does that ring a bell to you? Nomar saved somebody in the harbor once. Like, a woman, like, fell off a boat. And he saved her because, again, a little tidbit. There's, there's like this one pier in Charlestown that has this sort of like unique, very nautical looking condo complex. And so that's how I found out that like Nomar lived, uh, he lived on that pier. He lived like the life of a longshoreman out on that pier. Um, so I love finding out this stuff. So my segment is Red Sox Real Estate, where we take a different player every week. And based on what we know about this player, we match them up with their with the ideal greater boston living situation i mean that sounds like a ness and show waiting it really really does does it well they wouldn't do it because none of the players would agree to, to let people know where they live for obvious reasons that's true i had a friend who lived on peterborough street which is two blocks away mm -hmm. and he said this was in 2004 he said he saw Mike Timlin all the time because he lived a couple blocks down. He so lived he right saw there. Him. And I'm, a couple other players, but specifically Timlin, he said he saw all the time. I know. So, I mean, Kike Hernandez and his wife, who's in, who's like an actress, are very active on Instagram. So I know they live on one of the new apartment buildings on Boylston Street. Um, like I said, Jackie Bradley was always taking the scooter... Um, I went to a lobster roll place in the South End called Lobster on a Roll. And the guy, the, like I was just talking to the owner because there was a Sox game on. And this was post Mookie. But he told me that Mookie used to live down the street and would and would show up there all the time. Um, I always, I don't know, I always like it when I find out that the players actually live in the city as opposed to just like living in a McMansion in Weston and driving in. It's usually the younger guys who do, obviously. But... You, 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 I've written about this for Over the Monster, but years ago, Pedro Martinez had a commercial for McDonald's Lobster Rolls where he was dressed, uh, where he answered a question from someone wearing a lobster costume back in the 2000s. I have no recollection of this. Okay, this happened. My brothers, as a joke, a decade later, did one of these paid thing for Pedro saying that I loved McDonald's lobster rolls because of him. And they got Pedro to record a message to me where he's laughing saying, no, go get lobster rolls at this place. That I don't remember the name, <laughs> this place in Boston. And he's just cracking up the whole time because he, this is very fun. The whole thing is very funny to him. So I have that. I want to hear that. It's directed toward me. But more importantly, I thought there's a place near where I live called Pizza and Brew. And I thought that that was a very on the mark name for a restaurant. But lobster on a roll? Yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> I get that it's a pun. Yeah. And At you know, least it's a pun. They also, they, they do that annoying thing that I hate when Boston Red Sox or businesses do when they spell out the accent. So it's actually lobster, A-H on a roll. 
I really hate that. Don't do that, Boston businesses. Come on, please. Well, if don't you're gonna do, do it, do it real. Do Luobsta. You get you got and then no one will know what it says. I don't know what you just said. What you just said is some Martha's Luobsta. Vineyard thing. That's not. It's not a Martha's Vineyard thing. I, Settle down. I mean, we the do fact have, that you've never lived in Boston, I think, is coming through right now. I'm. It's not just right now, buddy. All the time. Okay, that's a good one. I really like that. That I think is the. You're right that they don't want people to know where they live. If there was some way they could just show the interiors, yeah, that would be one thing. But it wouldn't make for a good show. And 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 with the internet too, like there's no way. Even if they did just show the interior interiors, people would figure it out so fast. They'd be able to. Someone would say like, "Oh, that looks like a building I've been in," you know, on Marlboro Street or whatever. People would figure it out. Okay, I'm going to go next, and I actually came up with this one during this conversation, and I think it's pretty good. It's just a, you pick a game or a sport or anything you want, Scrabble, chess, disc golf, Wii tennis, I don't care, anything, League of Legends, anything, anything. You list all the players on the Red Sox, and could you beat them? You have a yes column and a no column. That's it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, anything physical is a no. <laughs> anything remotely physical is a no. Right, but we can choose. That's yeah. the best part. I would we also say they like they play so many video games too. Like you hear, like you know, they're, they they show up at the ballpark six hours before the game, and they do some stretching and they work out, and then they just sit in the clubhouse playing video games. There are, there are very few things, I think. Very few competitive things that I can beat them at. Right. That's what makes it fun. Uh, I'm just going to segue into a slightly different story. Same With the same guy who lived on Peterborough Street, 2004, on an off day, we went to the Lucky Strike right by Fenway Park. It was raining. It was deserted. There was supposed to have been a game, but it was raining. So we started playing foosball. Mm-hmm. And this older man and his wife say, hey, do you want to play with us? And they beat us over three games, like 30 to two. Foosball and is we, really hard. I've never had a good uh, time playing foosball. We leave. And my friend's like, I think that was Paul Azinger, the professional golfer. <laughs> we get back to his apartment and we type in Paul Azinger foosball. We hit the Google. There's a picture of him just I'm, I'm as we saw right him now. looking at us. And all he, like... He obviously has good risk strength and coordination. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it was unsurprising that they just absolutely brutalized us. It also explained why people were watching. I was like, why are people watching us lose foosball? So I, re- I agree with you. I think that this would be, you know, you've said you like the... We, we are both fans of old Deadspin, new Defector. Mm-hmm. Very simple concept. Yes or no? Can you do this thing? Mm. These things. Yes, 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 yes. These things. No, 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 no. So, by so, the way, there are video. There are videos on YouTube of Paul Isinger playing foosball. Believe me, I live that. I don't want to see it again. I can't believe. I mean, I would never recognize this guy in a million fucking years. Although, if you just showed me, me a picture of him, I would be like, "That's definitely a former professional golfer." But I wouldn't. Well, be able he's to been name a him. commentator for a long time, and I think that's why my friend recognized him. Yeah. But it came out of nowhere. He's like, "I think that was Paul Azinger." I was like, "What are you talking about?" So subsequently, whenever one of us in any context gets absolutely mopped the floor with, we say we got Azingered. He got Azingered. <laughs> so oh, he's from Massachusetts. That, that explains it. He's from Holyoke. That Did you know that? It. I didn't know that. Although, oh, he went to high there school. There was also Florida. a golf. The other part was there was a golf tournament in Boston that had gotten rained out mm. that same day. That, so I think so that's why there he was you there. Go. There. You all right, go. you're next. Um. All right. Um. <clears throat> Brian, you spent a lot of time on Twitter. Have you uh seen these Scott Boris puns? The Taipei one really, really hurts. It really hurts. <laughs> I, I, wait, I, I've got to look. I, I know what it is. I'm going to look it up so I get it right. Um, I, 
Uh, let's see. Scott Boris, Taipei Pond. Oh, it's not. Where is it? I should. I really should have prepared that. Okay. Essentially, Taiwan, referring to Taiwan Walker, is on an island. And the question is, who is willing to Taipei? <laughs> that is unbelievable. The one... The one that I thought the best um, was the Nemo one. That was... Something about finding Nemo. Oh, but not only that, but he also got Pixar in it. Um, whoever... The, the the free agent waters are murky, but whoever Pixar guy will find themselves lucky to have found Nemo or something like that. Um these I am I am loving the shit out of this of these Scott Boris wordplay right now. I I tweeted last night that I didn't understand like uh, like all I've I've just been seeing baseball reporters just type them out, and so I didn't get. I'm like, is he saying this out loud or is this like is he doing this in press releases? It turns out he is saying them out loud because I did I saw a video of the Brandon Nimmo one. You should watch the video. It's kind of adorable because he's doing like he th- this guy, this this multi-millionaire power agent who supposedly strikes fear in the hearts of every GM and fan. He's like sitting there in some hotel conference room. He's got this impish grin on his face. He's slowly saying it in a, such an awkward way. Whoever picks our guy and then he like stops himself from laughing so i'm loving this so here's the new segment i want to do i want us to do a new segment where we make up puns about baseball players or and then we mix them in with real scott boris puns and we try to stump each other see if we can figure out which ones are real and which ones are fake now here's I would the love irony. To do it. I don't think there's going to be enough Scott Bix- Scott Boras. Oh well, apparently he's been doing this for years. <laughs> so apparently, it's only sort of catching on now, but he's been doing it for years. Um, now here's the great irony of this segment. After I came up with the idea, I spent ten minutes trying to come up with with a good punny name for it, and I got nothing. <laughs> you you want to hear my top three? Yes. All right. Boris pun. Or am I just having fun? God, I'm so embarrassed by that. That's not even a pun. No, that's like the, that. That's like ironic, where people are like, oh, not anything in the song is ironic. Okay, all right, right, all right. Maybe this one's better. Um, Boris or porous? Parentheses, as in there are holes in that pun, son. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's Scott. Hard, it, out of all the people in the world to say shit about a bad pun, I am low on the list, but I am. And then my last one was just Scott or Scott Free. Which doesn't Again, this is like sense. I don't need to be faster than the bear. I just need to be faster than you. It was really, it. it was can you come up with a good one? It was really hard. There you go. Yeah, you got nothing to. Something with Green Scott and then Back to the Future. Great. Okay, that Great Scott. That's where you're going. Which of these puns make fly? Which of these puns make fly? It's harder than it looks. Well, not that hard. I just blew yours out. I don't think that's a good one at all. I don't think that's a good title at all. Well, we won't. At least we won't. At least this game won't bore us. Oh, damn it. Oh, shit. Okay, you win there. All right. I'm going to go next. This one is so mean. We would never do it. We would never it's meaner do it. than it's crap so on Keaton Corner? Yeah, I mean, that's just public service. <laughs> this is really mean. It's called, it's called Fuck Them Kids. And you take the prospect... And you explain why he will never appear in the major leagues. <laughs> oh, that is really mean. It's also <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be right like eighty five percent. That's what I was gonna say. It's like way easier than it sounds because nobody makes the major leagues. <laughs> oh, actually, the fact that he 
can't hit a curveball is going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, it's so, but a lot of people do get chances, but I like just the idea of instead of trying to, I mean, people analyze prospects and break them down yeah. in a very critical way, obviously. Yes, they do. And, and I've, and I've gone on record on the site too. Like I, I, I intentionally kind of ignored Miguel Blaze for most of the year because I think doing it with the 16 year olds who are still playing in the Dominican in the complex league is like really kind of gross and weird. Yeah, I mean, for him, it would be like he's 16, the end. Yeah. So uh, that, that was just my idea of let's let's tear people down. Let's yeah, tear children let's tear down. down. Yeah. How, how low do we go? Do we go to like high school draft prospects? Well, do, we do, this, do we do this for the next Little no. League World Series? No, I think actually it's pretty much like a year-long com- or years-long competition where mm. the goal is to write the definitive article on the highest prospect who never makes it. So it's sort of a competition. Mm. So you're not pulling from the bottom because that's cheating and you're not pulling from the top because that's not smart. Right. It would have to be, I think there'd have to be like a price is right rule in effect where, because it is like, like you're right. Like if you just, if you're, if you're going, if, if your aim is to crap on the highest prospect who doesn't make it, then obviously you just go right to the prospect list and you start starting with with the one two three four guys. So there should be some sort of prices right rule where if like like if they do make it, you're penalized somehow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. What? Well, so my idea originally was to draft these guys, and and that would solve that problem where you would have assembling points. The problem is it's such a long. Time scope, but the point is to be very, very mean. That was the point. Got it. Yeah, that's pretty mean. <laughs> On that note, you're up. All right, I, I will. I will stick with a similar theme, or I'll stick with the theme that I thought you were going with when you said "fuck them kids." Um, you and I were recently talking about TikTok, and I said that. TikTok is one of the first cultural touchstones that's made me feel a little old because for the most part, I just don't get the appeal. I get the appeal of some of it. I mean, when you and I were talking about TikTok, we were talking about the the Boston, the be a man guy. Um, and those are funny like that, like that. I totally understand. I, I get why people watch that. What I don't understand is why people watch like some woman just awkwardly dancing while words move around the screen words about like getting a good like adjustable rate on your mortgage or something like i truly don't understand how this is popular um so anyway so in light of the fact that we're getting older and no longer understand the kids i feel like we have to 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 rectify that, because we don't want to be out of touch. We run a digital media site. we got to be able to speak to everybody. Um, so we have a staffer. We have a writer uh, named Avery Hamill. Uh, do you know when Avery was born, Brian? I'm guessing it's after the 9-11 attacks on American soil. <laughs> Not only is it after 9-11, this is true. Avery was born on the day of Game 7 of the 2004 ALCS, which just fascinates me to no end i live on the sixth floor of this building and i will be jumping out of it. <laughs> um so i think i think we should have a recurring segment where avery explains the youth to us and we just ask her about whatever is confusing us about what the kids are doing and she explains it and i also think with the red sox angle in particular i'm so i mean she's <laughs> She's the only Red Sox fan I know between the ages of like five and 28. <laughs> five being my son and 28-year-old being just a lot of other people I know. Um, and I'm sort of fascinated. Like, what is it? What's it like to be a Red Sox fan entirely post-2004? It's got to be it's like her entire experience must be so different than ours and her entire meaning as a red sox fan must be so different than ours was 
I literally I, didn't. I grew up. I don't believe in God, but I very seriously and literally believed that I would never see the Red Sox win the World Series because there was some cosmic force preventing it. I didn't believe in God, but I believed in that. <laughs> so, like, her experience is just so drastically different than ours. Even someone a little bit younger than us, like Jake, has this weird, he has this, a very different relationship with, with the Patriots than I do, and I attribute that somewhat to them winning the first set of Super Bowls when he was not, when he was still a kid, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But for me, what I found as I get older, you have so much energy to spend as a sports fan. You really want to spend it. The Patriots and Red Sox timed up with my ability to enjoy it fully, perfectly. I can't complain one iota. It, it was great. But as a result, especially with respect to the Patriots, I'm fine if they are not perfect anymore. It doesn't bother me because they're not wasting my prime fan years, basically. <laughs> so I think that's an actual good segment, I, not a meme segment. I, I think we should do, we should definitely have her on and try it. I think we should. And we could still call it Fuck Them Kids. <laughs> if, we want, if, we, if we like that title, but we don't want to be as mean. Okay, Avery, first thing you need to do just tell a prospect to eat shit. Then we have some questions. <laughs> that that there you go. Let's combine it into two. All right. Well, you're gonna like this next one. Okay. We pick a member of the Red Sox media ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Like it so far. And we break down what kind of fighter we think they are and whether we want them on our team or the, whether we want to try to defeat them. Uh, and okay. the combat doesn't need to be physical. It could be mental. No. It could be whatever. But we size them up and we just say, am I going to, like, look, who's a good example here? So Someone right. who won't get upset. Jared Carabas. Am uh, I going to fight Carabas? I am not. Yeah. I've seen him. I'm not going to fight him. So I would say I would want him on my side and I would go through why. You could even get into who you wanted to go against. See, my idea was for a draft where we would, in fact, be fighting physically, but you and I were going to draft the media members. So here's my constructive criticism of this. Other than Carabas, who I don't think it's coincidental that that's the first person you said. Other than Carabas... I don't really know what any of these guys look like, yet I am extremely confident that they all look exactly the same. So I, I don't know how we're going to divide them up physically. I'm extremely confident you know that what they Sha all you look exactly You know what Shaughnessy exactly looks like? Them. Well, yes, I know what Shaughnessy looks like. You know what Pete but... Abraham looks like? Yeah, okay, I do. I, all right, I know I know a little bit more what these guys look like. I'm not talking necessarily like. about the internet guys, but they... They count, yeah. obviously. I know what Spire looks like. Um, I guess the radio guys. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I would be fine if we never mentioned Felger and Maz on this podcast ever. So I don't really want to get those guys involved. Um, let's see That's what else. I'm saying, though. This would be red meat. This would get us probably bad press, and That's true. it would be. Yeah. It would be. It would be good press. Yeah, because, that, that's yeah. a good idea. I mean, I mean, they would all eat it up. They would all be so Well, I don't so live in Boston, so I wouldn't have to fight them. So it's really going <laughs> to come. True. I can write checks. I'm not showing checks. up to the press box anytime soon, so that's not a concern for me either. But they would all, like, they would all be listening to it for sure. They, they might publicly ignore that it's happening, but they would be listening. And then they would get angry at what we would say. Can you take, like, Eckersley in this? Yeah, not he, that he's a fighter. He's not a no, fighter. It's, but. No, you, you would want Eckersley on your team if you had to yeah. if you had to go up against Carabas, you want Eckersley there to just cool it just cool it down. My team, not gonna fight yeah, my, I, my team would just be guys that I think are a good hang. Ultimately. Fine, I'll just get the assholes and we'll just go, just go at it. And then yeah, and then you know what's gonna happen? You get you you guys are gonna beat us up. But then all of your assholes are going to need to find somewhere to channel their rage. And they're going to start beating up each other. While my team of good hangs are just going to like 
go to the bar and nurse our wounds and hang out. Who's going to have more fun that day, Brian? Well, I mean, I already did the good hangs one, so you're not you're not taking That's true. that true. Oh, damn it, yeah. <laughs> All right, your last one. Go ahead. All right, I like that one. Okay, you're going to like this one, Brian, I think. Um, yeah, Brian, you have mentioned on this podcast that uh, I, I believe you've made reference at least twice to having a mortal enemy on this podcast. And on our Slack channels, I think you've mentioned at least three more mortal enemies that you have. Um, and when you first mentioned all these mortal enemies, you know, I, I think what I... There's do, just three. There's just three. There's, there's just, just three. three. Okay. I think the first thing I said to you was, that's not a healthy way to live. You can't have three mortal enemies. You're going to die of a heart attack. Um but again, now that now that we're doing this pod and trying to find new segments, I'm wondering if if instead of of trying to do something that betters your life and improves your physical and mental and emotional health, is there a way we can exploit this for money? And I think there is with a new segment called Brian Joyner's Mortal Enemy of the Week. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Do not threaten me with a good time. That would be fantastic. Except for it would be, in the context of the Red Sox, it would be... It wouldn't have to be. It wouldn't have to be. John Henry from the front. John you, Henry from the side. I mean, if you want to just come on here and rant about some guy who uh, wouldn't give up his seat on the subway, go ahead. I thought you were going to say wouldn't give up his position at the newspaper. I was going to say, shh, <laughs> shh. Too much. Wait, wait. Too I'm, much information. Wait, which one is this? Which mortal enemy is this? No, nope, nope, not I'm, happening. I'm only, I'm trying to think. Let's see, there's the guy who appears on CNN. Yeah, that's the one. All right, that's guy. enough. That's enough. We're going to wrap that up. I'm going to declare myself the victor, not because I won, just because I don't have a fifth one. You don't I, even I, have I, a fifth one. Okay, I, well, I rendered you we, speechless with Brian rend, Joyner's mortal rend, enemy of the week. You rendered me speechless. Uh, I'm going to... Transition us straight into, first of all, tell us who you think won, people. I'm happy with my four. It's like Hoosiers. My team is on the floor. I don't, I don't need a fifth. Didn't they lose that game? They lost that game. Shush. Uh, Dan, for the first time, uh, a segment that he did come up with, which was something to recommend for the first time, actually has something to recommend that he's I, not making up off the cuff. I do have a recommendation. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go? I want you to go. All right, I'm going to recommend a book this time. Um, I was going to recommend another TV show that I'm enjoying, but I want us I want us to be known as the Highbrow Podcast Joiner. I want us to be I want us to be the NPR of Red Sox podcasts. How do you feel about that? Now, take I, I take that back. Book. NPR sucks. I don't know why I said that. I was going to do a book too, so this is this oh, might be all right. So there you go. We're the Highbrow Nerdy Podcast. Uh, I'm going to recommend a book called Interior Chinatown. Uh, it's by Charles Yu. It won the National Book Award a couple of years ago, which um, normally National Book Award winners, I find, at least in my experience, I either really love them or I really hate them and think they just won the award for reasons outside of their merit, which makes me hate them even further. Um, but this one is really, really good. It's really readable. The premise is it, it's about um, a young man who grows up in Chinatown and he uh which chinatown it, so it's a little ambiguous i think it's supposed to be la but it's kind of kept intentionally ambiguous um i think it's supposed to be la because basically his his job is essentially he he constantly works as a background extra on this sort of like csi type crime show um and and so it's it's it, it's written as if it's a script which makes it really digestible and easy to read. Um, but at times you don't know whether the script you're reading is real life or whether it's him shooting the show. It's kind of intentionally ambiguous like that. Um, it's really interesting. It's just, it's, it's sort of a, it's ultimately about like the Asian experience in America and, and the feeling of constantly feeling like an outsider. It's, it's really, really good. Interior Chinatown, Charles Yu, highly recommend it. Sounds cool. My book is called Endless Forms, The Secret World of Wasps. 
It's exactly what it sounds like. Wasps the bugs or wasps the global yes, leaders? Yes, wasps the bugs, which they... Well, I just read... Uh, I've been reading a lot about the Tudors, which is ironic because I went from wasps to wasps. Yeah, the original uh, wasps. The people yes. that started the pea in wasps. The uh, There are a lot of wasps, and it turns out that very few of them sting, but basically... Hornets and yellow jackets make us think of them all as hornets and yellow jackets, and that is just not the case. And it turns out they're the basically the most plentiful insect on the planet. There's more of them than bugs. Is uh, a bee a wasp? Yes, it was. They they're wasps. I guess I don't know what a wasp is. Well, that the, that's the whole the point of the book is they this this woman says she's a Welsh woman. She says that. You can go to the library and find hundreds of books on bees. But there's almost nothing on wasps, and there's so many more of them. Basically, any drug that humans have created has come from wasps, or what? they have subsequent, or not directly from wasps, but sometimes directly. But then sometime, a, a huge portion of the time, when they create, uh, I think... They'll create a drug to treat something. What does that even mean? Subs- like wasp subsequently blood? find, yes, fi- subsequently find that a wasp naturally, a certain species of wasp creates the same chemical in its body to like subdue its prey, to do X, Y, and Z. And that it's just hundreds of thousands of different types of wasps. So it gets a little wonky, but it's fun because it gets pretty metal too with what moss what wasps can do so that's it secret world endless forms i have to admit i I am intrigued because i think until this conversation i didn't realize that i literally don't know what a wasp is like i know what a bee is and i know what a yellow jacket is i know what a hornet is but i guess i I didn't understand like is wasp a fourth category is it an overarching category of those bugs it's way more of an overarching category because bees she makes clear very often Bees are just wasps that became vegetarian. Okay. So I have the same reaction as you. I went to the library just looking for the new releases. It's a new book. Mm. And I thought the same thing you did. I thought, shit, I don't know anything about wasps. Let me read the wasp book. And that's how I found it. So That is the good thing about going to the library. (laughs) That would be our other nerdy recommendation. Like yeah, when you go to, go to the library as opposed to That's a bookstore, it. and like especially if it's like a small neighborhood library and you don't have like that big of a choice, you end up you end up finding things you otherwise wouldn't find if you were just like at a bookstore or, or going on Amazon or on the internet. You're right because there's it's 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 a obviously there's more choices, but it's like a movie theater where it's like having fewer choices is going to help you actually pick something yeah. that can expand your knowledge. Because you have to think of it. What I, I want the perfect book. I saw this. Hey, I don't know anything about wasps. Let's read the wasp book. Totally like agree. So that's fewer, it. Go to the library. choices in your life, people. You'll be happy. Go to the library. But on the way, listen to this podcast. If you like it, please recommend it on whatever the hell you're listening to it on. We will be back maybe doing some of these segments in the next couple of weeks, especially... If we get any movement on the Xander Bogarts or Raphael Devers front. But until then, Dan, this was very fun. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. All right. We will talk to you soon, guys. Bye.